When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential, and welcome back, journalist, host of the podcast Writers on Film, and author of the upcoming book on Terrence Malick, and my Venice buddy, John Bleasdale. Ciao, Amici. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao, Christina. <laughs> Lovely to be here. So glad to see you. I'm so excited. You have to tell me a little bit about this Malik book. Okay, so the Malik book is going to be the first um, biography of Terence Malik, which is a bit of a quixotic task because everybody knows that Malik does not like talking to um, reporters or journalists or writers, and uh, well, just doesn't. He hasn't. His last interview was 1979 with the release of Days of Heaven and was in French, published in Le Monde. Uh, so it's a little bit of a quixotic task. It's a little bit of a, a of a challenge. You're the man for it, John. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm really excited about it, and I'm kind of about halfway through my first draft, which is uh, which is really good. So um, wow. yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting this out, and hopefully it will be out, um, you know, uh, about the same time as his film, his new film, Way of the Wind, his uh, uh, sort of biblical Jesus story, which uh, which which also looks like a lot of. Well, I was going to say a lot of fun. Look, looks amazing. Fun may not be the operative word. <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows? Who's in that one? I don't. I haven't heard much about it. The actor whose name I I haven't got on is a Hungarian actor. He was in um, the Son of Saul uh, and um, Mark Rylance. The BFG himself is playing Satan. I think. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, concept and sort of method acting. Well, who knows? <laughs> but um, it's uh, it's interesting in the sense that it's kind of like. Malik has always been a religious filmmaker, I think, and it's always sort of bubbled under the surface and people are sort of not sure whether is he really very, very religious or is he sceptical and he's just at awe at the wonder of the universe. Um, and he is, so there's gonna, this is going to be his sort of most overtly religious movie, I think. So um, it's, it's, it, it looks like it could be very interesting. Well, so we're looking forward to that. But now we're going to talk about Venice. As you all may yes. remember, last year we did a really fun thing, John and I. Um, we did this before the Venice Film Festival, talked about what we're anticipating and our reactions to the lineup. And then we did a show from there where we sort of reviewed what we'd seen and reactions to the fest. And so we're thinking that we're going to do that again. So I'm so happy to have you here. So yesterday... Festival Chief Alberto Barbera announced the lineup for the 79th annual Venice Film Festival, and they are not messing around. <laughs> it's an awesome lineup this year, uh, world-class, star-studded. I'd say Barbera is the Oscar kingmaker of the awards season recently, I have to say. What, what are your first reactions? I, I totally agree with you. They, they, they definitely, they didn't, they didn't come to play. They came, they came <laughs> with very serious intentions. Um, I mean, through the years, I've, uh, you know, I remember years ago, I used to sort of hang on 
the day that they released the announce they, they gave the announcement released the the lineup and i would be there refreshing my screen and watching as each uh was announced the last few years i've been much less um sort of engaged in that way i've been sort of like the announcements lined you know that i see oh it's today and it's already afternoon and i just click on whoever's written a feature about it and see what the lineup is so weirdly i don't know why i that sort of i haven't i'm, I'm not quite on the edge of my seat as i used to be but when i did look at this it was just like oh my god i mean there's just so much talent here and the the other, the other thing i'd say is it feels like a real generational shift. It feels like there are not like five, it's a little bit, you know how Can has those four or five names that come out every single year and you're sort of like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, we've got another. It feels like these, these are names which are not, they're not necessarily super young, but they're filmmakers in their prime um, and they're, um, but they're not the same old names, you know, they, they, they feel, it feels, uh, it still feels fresh, like established, but fresh, you know, if that's not a, a, con a contradiction. Absolutely. But it's also Netflix heavy, a three in competition, right? Or is it four? Are Netflix among them blonde and the opening uh, White Noise, Noah Baumbach's uh, Don DeLillo adaptation. And Barbara really talked about Netflix as being the auteur kings. Feels like a little bit of a dig at Cannes. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I'm sure he's absolutely uh, delighted at the Cannes policy. I mean, Cannes is very is very much tied up with the French Cinema Association, the projectionists, and the the uh, the actual theatre owners. You know, so they always have to keep an eye out on that. And Venice has no such concerns, and is <laughs> and is 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 frankly pleased to. Uh, you know, the last few years they they've been the preferred home because um, you know, frankly, in Europe there are two festivals, Cannes and Venice. So if you don't go to Cannes, then the, then the bit next biggest one is or equally big one by now, I think, is Venice. Oh, so yeah. yeah, no, absolutely, they're delighted. They're absolutely delighted. Um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think that Netflix are... Um... No, as, as long as Netflix can keep up this pace of auteur-driven movies, which considering what we've been reading about their problems, so hopefully they can. But I mean, look, nothing lasts forever. So you've got to enjoy the peaks when they're, when they're at their peak and, and just just enjoy it for what it is yeah and, we just uh, got out of covid so it seems like yeah i mean just the fact that there are these great movies this year seems like some sort of miracle <laughs> well i mean a lot of people have had a lot of time to be working on scripts and a lot of people have had a lot of time to put together packages and schedules have been cleared and and so yeah i think there ha i think there is a post a sort of post covid bump that that, that has been uh, been given to to some of these productions well, let's get into the mm. competition section that we heard of yesterday. And I have a few movies I want to take up with you. One that I've been waiting for for a long time. I think that like it was two years ago on my TV segment already, I was talking about the Renaissance, um, Brendan Fraser's comeback. And that was in The Whale. One of the movies he's coming back with is The Whale, Darren Aronofsky's upcoming psychological drama. It's based on a play by Samuel Hunter and is about a 600 pound man trying to reconnect with his daughter. What do you think of Aronofsky's comeback with this? Uh, I'm really excited to see Brendan Fraser sort of doing some acting. And, and you know, he's, he's had a personal, you know, there have been some interviews that have come out and, and that have made 
uh, a lot of rightly made a lot of noise because um, I think he's a much loved figure. You know, mm. he was great in Gods and Monsters. He was wonderful in the Mummy series. And, um, you know, it feels horrible that part of the reason he went away was, was you know, uh, partly due, due to abuse. Um, and so it's, it's wonderful to see him back. And, and Darren Aronofsky is just one of those directors who never makes a boring film. You know, if mm -hmm. you, you can hate his movies, and many, many people do. They're very divisive. But I much prefer a director like that than somebody who everybody just agrees is okay. You know, and I, I loved Mother. I thought Mother was amazing. Was that his last film, Mother? It was his last film, yeah, which I yeah, didn't that, that like. That seems like but years I, ago. Yes, it was. It seems like years ago. I did not like Mother, but I completely agree with you But that I like the fact that I did not like Mother because he takes so many risky choices. Yeah, absolutely, from pie onwards. He's, he's never been someone who's been courting popular uh, acclaim or... or, or trying to get in with the consensus and so I, i'm really looking forward to see what he does and he's really good at character studies and this what this sounds very much like a character and he's very good at working with actors you know again you know mickey rourke the wrestler everybody thought that that was a, a rock renaissance and <laughs> mickey renaissance <laughs> i thought everyone saw that as a big comeback and of course oh, it really wasn't i mean <laughs> i thought um but it, you know that that didn't really come about i mean i know he was in iron man 2 i think mm. and he you know he picked up some some additional cash but um it sort of quickly became apparent that that film you know, with Aronofsky had been really modelled around Rourke and had platformed him and, and framed him in such a way as to as to really bring out the best in him. And the other directors and other projects weren't willing to do that. And they, uh, and yeah, you know, subsequently his career sort of went went back to more or less where it was, which is video on demand. Um, and just if the listeners are wondering that you were alluding to what Brendan Fraser has talked about is that he's the victim of sexual abuse as an adult during an, an incident mm. that he, I think it was at a party or something, but he, he did some very, very important and interesting articles and interviews about this at one point, which I think helped a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to sort of broaden the, the sort of debate about Me Too and, exactly. and how it's, it's not... Um, it, well, how it has a wide stretch, and I mean, uh, yeah, and I, and, I, and I think that Brendan Fraser has... You know, I I don't think that he. I, I think this could be the beginning of something uh, of a, a sort of second or third act in his career. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I I think Mickey Rourke, for instance, had lots of his own problems, which were nothing to do with his acting necessarily. That mm. that didn't allow him to take advantage of what he got from the wrestler. Whereas I think Brendan Fraser maybe, you know, maybe on a different trajectory. So we were talking about Netflix. They have two movies based on books which at certain points seemed unfilmable and both of us both of them are coming now. One is what I mentioned before, Noah Baumbach's White Noise based on Don DeLillo's novel. It's starring Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig. I'm really looking forward to this. How do you think this will make it on screen? I'm a huge fan of Don DeLillo and I love his uh I love um, Underworld, uh, his sort of magnus opus, and White Noise was is brilliant. Uh, I think he also wrote the best sort of JFK novel, Libra, which is all mm -hmm. about Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, I, it it is a sort of strange novel to to 
adapt and i think cosmopolis by david cronenberg which was also an adaptation of a don delilo i didn't find it particularly successful i thought it was very talky and very it didn't quite manage to win the argument that it should be a film but when you look at the talent adam driver's in this and you look at how he's worked in the past with Baumbach on the marriage uh, marriage story which i thought was amazing um i'm really excited i think this this is a director who who can pull things together that don't seem particularly filmic and make them very very cinematic i'm really i'm really excited about this and in terms of the theme the sort of cataclysmic event it seems like it could be very very in the now and yeah delilo's a prescient author he's someone who i mean he wrote this i think in the 80s i think this is uh, or maybe early 90s but um he he he's he was one of those postmodernists that people scoffed at you know i mean his main character is a, a an academic at a university teaching hit, hitler studies and you sort of think okay what's the, you know that seems a bit exaggerated and everything but nowadays as we look around the world you know fascism is on the rise again exactly. and like this sort of idea is 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 very pertinent you know maybe more so now than it was uh, when the book was originally written and the other book is joyce carol oates blonde which i've talked also a lot about waiting for this to come by another director who doesn't make a lot of movies Andrew Dominic, who takes his time between them. The other one coming up is Todd Field in the movie we'll talk about next. But uh, this is the Ana de Armas as Marilyn Monroe. We have also an incredible cast. Um, Adrian Brody plays the author. I don't think they're titled as Joe DiMaggio and Arthur Miller. I think they have those, at least the book has. We'll see what happens in the film. So I'm looking forward to this. Do you have hopes for Ana de Armas as Marilyn? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is a combination made in heaven. I mean, um, the book is, is, is brilliant. If you haven't read it, it's a it's Oh, a super, it's my favorite uh, book. <laughs> I was going to say, I yes. know you've read it. Oh, it's it's a masterpiece. It's an absolute masterpiece. It's a really, um, it's it, you really go inside the head of Marilyn Monroe. It, it's so famous, the story, and you already know the story that you, she doesn't need to be explicit in no. terms of who people are and things. You you get it. This is Joe DiMaggio, but he's only the baseball player. And, but and Andrew Dominic is amazing. I mean, um, um, oh, his the assassination of Jesse movies. James. The Tunic Cave movies are so moving, and I love. Um, uh, I saw Nick Cave recently at Verona, and that was a, a wonderful experience. Oh, wow. um, but uh, yeah, he's 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 just superb, and his um, you know from Chopper and uh, Killing Them Softly. I think all of his films are, are absolute. You know, you, you're right. He makes very few, and there's lots of space in between. But every time he makes them, they're masterpieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the, there's not a single one that I think is is even minor. I mean. Uh, Killing Them Softly was sort of Brad Pitt's worst performing movie, but it's it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Now, the only the only sort of um, question mark I had, and I'm going to look like an idiot when it, when we talk in Venice and we've already seen this, was <laughs> Ana de Armas because just in my head she doesn't quite match Marilyn Monroe. I always think of Marilyn Monroe as a sort of um, in terms of body shape and everything as a, a not even body shape but but sort of as a big person you know as mm-hmm. a big personality as a um and Anna Damas, you know always strikes me as as she's sort of still in the kind of girlish category 
you know. But she's I still think that that's the brilliance potentially petite, because I know. think she's cast as Norma Jean because I right. think the the right. book the the essence of the book is that Marilyn Monroe is a construct of that mm. we that mm. women do. I mean, she has to. That's what the teaser you can see that's out already is that she has to put this on this. Mm. Construct yeah, no, I'm, that I'm is absolutely sure I'm and, wrong. And, and I I'm think that, sure that Anna, they, what they've done with Anna Darmus is found someone with that sort of childhood innocence and those be, and, and that, and then they put that construct on. Then if she's able to carry that, that's going to be really interesting to see. But I think that the point is that she's not supposed to be Marilyn to begin with, because no one is. I mean, Marilyn wasn't right, Marilyn. Right, <laughs> right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm absolutely ready and willing to be proven wrong about that and i mean god i didn't want daniel craig to be james bond i you know there were so many <laughs> i didn't want twin peaks to come back i thought oh no, don't go back there and i'm all uh, you know i'm always wrong i'm always wrong yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be wrong another female performer who's going to take oscar season could potentially be kate blanchett in todd field's tar where she plays a world-renowned a musician, a conductor, I believe. I don't know much about this movie, but she's recording a symphony. Todd Field, this is his first feature in 15 years, so he's also coming back. And, I mean, with her in the lead in this theme, what can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's based on a true story, this, as well. I think this is a, a, like Lydia the first yeah, woman to, to conduct a major symphony orchestra, a major national symphony orchestra. And the music is by the... Um, brilliant composer Hildur Chernobyl was wonderful I, I loved her music for Joker I know everybody sort of like dumped on that film for a long time afterwards but I thought her music was stunning um, and, and yeah yeah she, I think this is uh, this has all yeah and Kate Blanchett is one of the best actresses we have so yeah what this is this, this is great. I mean, the the funny thing you say about the fifteen years and Andrew Dominic hasn't made a film since. I mean, if I mean, I think the Nick Cave documentaries I sort of see more as a side project rather than a mm -hmm. motion picture yes, as yes. such. Even though I, I think I saw them both at the cinema. But anyway, um, so uh, this thing about the fifteen year gap and everything, and researching Malik, this this has a a certain resonance. Is that's just not that unusual. You know, mm. when when films are so difficult to put together and so difficult to get everybody to agree and so difficult to get the financing, having a, a 10 year, 5, 10, 15 year break or, or when people say, oh, he was working on silence for 20 years before it came out. It's just not that it's not that strange. Things take time. And uh, I see it as he tried to get several things uh, financed and, and they fell through and so this is just a, the sort of a third or fourth thing which he's managed to get over the line I don't think yes, it's a case of it works. <laughs> yeah I, I think I don't think it's the case I mean, and there was a brilliant um, somebody mentioned I think it might have been on Twitter I'm not sure if it's an article or something but you know Kelly Reichardt has to has to teach full-time I mean she's mm -hmm. she she has a day job and she's one of the yes, major most... she's a, a major independent but most directors do because mm -hmm. they're Directing a movie doesn't actually pay you that much money unless you're you and know, screenwriters. Or I, 
absolutely screenwriters can 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 have an entire career and can actually make money and never never see their name on screen you know because mm -hmm. they just do, they just constantly either rewrite stuff or they uh, work on projects which never see the light of day so so i'm not i mean when i hear the todd fields has been a, it's not like he's been sitting in a in, in a sort of Buddhist monastery with his legs crossed thinking of the next film he's going to do. And this is it, you know, like Rambo in Rambo two, he's, um, he's, he's, uh, he's struggling to get. Todd Field is Rambo. I'll never get that out of my head now. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's my go-to, my go-to reference point. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I love, um, well, in the bedroom, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough film. But mm. I, uh, I really thought it was great, and uh, and yeah, little children. So, ta, yeah, it's 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 good, to, and it's great for him to be at a big major festival, you know, mm -hmm. and to have this. I mean, that's the other thing about talking about Netflix. I know this one isn't Netflix, but um, I think what festivals do now is, if films are otherwise just going to drop onto a streaming service at least a festival gives them the experience of being in a big theater with a lot of people and creating a lot of buzz right. because otherwise you know films just come and go films just drop on and and the service and it's like right. oh is this already there i mean the new russell crowe is on prime for instance and you know i would go to the cinema to watch a russell crowe movie because i like him as an actor but i haven't even clicked on it yet because it's it i, I didn't even know it was going to be there yeah, it's, they're, they're a great shop window. They're absolutely, uh, uh, and, and as you said earlier in your intro, you know, in terms of the, the Oscars, they're, a, they're an absolute launching pad. So uh, one director that just in my consciousness feels like he is working all the time, that's Luca Guadagnino. Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information who is here with Bones and All, an incredible cast, um, Timothy Chalamet, Chloe Sevigny, Mark Rylance, um, who you were mentioning before. This is called A Cannibal Love Story. I don't know this. I think it's a book. Are you familiar mm, with yeah, it? Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not, I don't know about the background material, um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's the, the big surprise is no army hammer. Well, what's going on there? <laughs> they drop they drop the ball with a, yes with a... but it is weird guadagnino could have just made that call and it would have been a huge irony with the cannibal yeah, absolutely um, but i guess the metaphor is sort of disenfranchised young people uh in love on the margins um it sounds really interesting would have been yeah, better I'm, with I'm... them <laughs> Yeah, now I've mentioned it, you won't ever be able to unwatch. The... Yes. <laughs> um, Guadagnino is is another of those directors, a little bit like Aronofsky, who makes films that you can you can love or hate. You know, I loved Call 
like everybody else, I loved uh, Called Me By Your Name and I loved the big splash, his other English language movie. Didn't like I Am Love so much and I didn't like uh, Suspiria that much. I mean, it was, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was bad. But, I haven't um, seen I Am Love. I Am Love is, is okay, but it's one of those stories that, that depends on a little bit of bad luck. Okay. Um, uh, you know what I mean? When something yeah. happens, someone falls and hits their head on something, and you're like, "Okay, that's what you did. That's what you do when you don't have a story. You just right, get, right, have right. someone fall over and hit their head." So, um, so yeah, it's it's not great, but it's also uh, got uh, what do you call her in it? Uh, Tilda Swinton. So she's she's has a great role in it. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this. I think this is this this has the talent there and I you know, it's an as you say it's an intriguing premise. It's intriguing to see where it goes with it. Um and you know, yeah, it's a, it it seems to and he's he's a sort of welcome sight as you say, he's sort of quite prolific and he's a welcome sight to, to see back in Venice. I mean, he was back was it last year? He yes. had a sort of covid documentary which is like a genre that we should do this thing that the that sometimes happens where we invite all the directors quick give us your covid documentaries give us your co and, <laughs> and they pile them up and then they bury them in a flipping hole for a, for a 20 <laughs> we don't want to watch them you made them we don't want to watch them yeah. but yeah yeah um other than that yeah he's got a, a pretty good track record Netflix also has Alejandro Iñárritu's Bardo which sounds really interesting a epic comedy a Mexican journalist and filmmaker returns home and has an existential crisis. I think that sounds great. And I am a big fan of Iñárritu. Yeah, he, and he always has these wonderful titles, doesn't he? False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Wasn't Birdman had a, a subtitle? Um, yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, I, I mean, a little bit like uh, Alfonso Cuaron and his... Uh, you know, they seem to like Netflix and they seem to like Venice. And uh, it's, it's, he's an exciting director. He's a great director. It's one of those, I mean, it's, it, this is like the whole list. It's, you go down the list and the, you're going, oh, I like so-and-so. Oh, yeah. this one's good, you know. And I, you don't necessarily like all their films, but the, the possibility is definitely there that they, that they will, that this could be a, a bumper year in terms of, of this stuff. Um right. Yeah. Are I mean, you pro or con Birdman? Oh, I, I really like Birdman. Yay. I, I, I love Birdman, but there's so many people that hate it, and I can't, that, I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a little bit of that, because he has a sort of Goddard-like uh, opening, which uh, I think it's like from Weekend, the, the titles come up in a very Goddardian way. And I think there's a, a lot of this uh, critical, the, crit what, what you, the critical mass of people critics who who look at that and there are definitely some who just how very dare you okay we're gonna take you to task for it and it's kind of like a you know it's a no-win situation if you try to be intellectual and you try to be you know to to do something different and you know with an appeal to the legacy of people who used to do that like goddard who's still doing it to some extent then you're pretentious and you're going to be taken to task for it and then uh, Otherwise, and, and on the other hand, people are complaining about how cinema is becoming infantile and dumbed down and it's just Marvel comic movies. No, I, I think uh, those kind... I mean, people could come back and say, no, I hated it for totally different reasons and, and they might be right, but I thought there was so much there to enjoy the performances, the, the, the 
you know, the virtuosity of the camera work. It looked beautiful. The imagination. It always went in directions I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. And it had a marching band and Michael Keaton walking around in his, uh, you know, tidy whitey. So <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And it was kind of it's like cinema. It's like proper adult cinema where you have to think about stuff um and maybe a little bit pretentious but who gives the monkeys yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah it can be pretentious i don't mind i'm pretentious so i'm quite happy for that to be a couple other ones just to mention florian sure. zeller who made the father he's back with the son hugh jackman laura dern the martin mcdonough with colin farrell and brendan gleason in the banshees of initiation in the banshees of my irish is yes my mum would you should know this yeah yeah exactly no i just saw a publicity still for the banshees and it had uh gleason and farrell and a pint of guinness in between them and that green hills behind them i thought can you get a more irish picture than that and i can't wait for that i love those two (laughs) Mm. yeah Um, no absolutely Joanna Hogg with The Eternal Daughter, I'm very much looking forward to. And what about, there's quite a few Italian films. There, maybe you have more expertise than I do and can talk about what you see in his picks there. Well, i tell you the truth. Um, I always think it's the same a little bit in Cannes. I try. I I always have low expectations of the French films in Cannes, and I always have low expectations of the Italian films in Venice. You know, the best Italian films are usually shown in Cannes, and similarly for for the French films in in Venice. I there's always just a little bit of a feeling of uh, what would you say? Sort of, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of of these directors, but at the same time, then you get something that comes out and it completely surprises you. So I'll go in with as open a mind as I can. But no, then they're the directors that when the list comes out, I kind of skip over the, mm-hmm. <laughs> I skip over their um, things. And so, I mean, you know, some of the, uh, in the past I, that there have been some dreadful Italian entries. So um, I'm happy to be surprised and hope hopefully will be surprised. But uh, yeah, but I think Monica more... sounds really interesting. Andrea Palaoro. Palaoro. Okay, he made Hannah, which was um, actually that was a good film. So there's there's somebody who was mm-hmm. that had um, Charlotte Rampling as the wife of someone who is accused of a, a crime. Uh, it's very elliptical you don't quite you have to sort of work out for for yourself and it's just a character portrait and it it was amazing that's that's a really um uh and and okay apparently monica is the um it's gonna be it's part of a trilogy because there was another film called medias so there are these uh three films which are all centered around a female strong female uh um characters uh leads and uh yeah no that's so there you go i'm already eating my words that's brilliant yum yum there was some trivia on twitter which i don't know how much you want to take twitter for its word but his name was cedric succivali he wrote that out of the five italian directors in venice competition amelio crialese guananino nicchiarelli and palaoro there's not a single straight male for a country that is often criticized for chauvinism that's quite something end quote yeah he he actually um uh corrected that because he 
he discovered or he was informed that one of the men is actually straight but I can't remember which one <laughs> maybe Andrea I'm not sure but it, but the point remains it is mm-hmm. it is a I mean it's it's interesting because I I wonder if we went back um in history and we looked at the Oscars if that might have at some point been repeated with the Oscars in the sense that um you know people weren't necessarily out um and you know there are lots of gay actors and lots of gay or bisexual um non-straight actors and non-straight directors i wonder if that 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 ever happened like in you know if there was a a, a year that Laurence olivier and marlon brando and rock hudson all were all nominated for oscars i mean it, it could have happened um but I, yeah i think that that's something which isn't necessarily um you know, we we sometimes concentrate on, and I mean, we, rightly so. I don't, I'm, I don't mean any disrespect by this that we concentrate on diversity in terms of women, mm-hmm. and in terms of uh, parity, and uh, that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely valid. But um, you know, there are other forms of diversity, such as class and 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 race and sexuality, and you know, hopefully, we're coming to a point where where these questions will no longer be at the forefront of our minds because it will just be like, you know, and, and you know, the thing about there being, I think there are five women in competition this year mm-hmm. and there were five women in competition last year. So it's not like there's been a, an improvement. Huge but change. No, but at the same time, one thing I have noticed is that those women who are in competition are women who have now got real careers in the sense that they've now made four or five films of uh, and they're and they're established and and there's less of that excuse that Barbera used to make in the past that we're not going to fill quotas we're not going to have a quota system well you don't I mean Susanna again eating my words Susanna Nicchiarelli made uh, has made a bunch of great films she was uh two years ago with miss marx was great nico 1988 was great she did cosmonaut uh, uh about eight or nine years before that um so this isn't someone who you think oh you know this is someone just to make up the numbers she's got us and you know joanna hogg is one of the the most oh my God, uh, yes. accomplished directors um currently working uh so so i think although you might think oh well the numbers are still the same and they could be better the the quality is very very self-evident you know the quality is no longer that's no longer an argument there's no longer an idea of like oh they've just got in, in fact it's the other way around this one why isn't olive olivia wilde in the competition as well or you know something like that before we leave the competition, I wanted to mention Jafar Panahi, who's also in competition with Kiers Nist. I'm hoping I'm not botching every single thing here, but the, who, the Iranian dissident um, director who recently was sentenced to prison. Um, that's very interesting that he's here and, and what that will hopefully do for him. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point, and it was one I was going to bring up definitely as as one of the a, again another exciting sort of um, inclusion because he's a great film director and he deserves to be on an uh, in, in international film festival and has exactly. been for many years. But I think it's also a brilliant thing that the uh, festival is doing in in um, giving his film the platform because obviously he's in prison, he can't be here and. That sort of visibility is extremely, extremely important. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there was a similar, well, I mean, it was a different situation, but in Cannes when they showed Mariopolis 2, 
um, by the uh, Lithuanian uh, filmmaker who, who sadly died in, in the war, in the Ukraine war. It also shows that film festivals have a social function as well as an artistic one, and they mm -hmm. need to do this. They need to, to stand up and be counted in, uh, in a time like ours. Um, and so I'm really pleased to see Jafar Panahi is in the, is in the competition, and uh, he thoroughly deserves to be. Mm -hmm. And he, hopefully he's, you know, there will be lots of news stories and there will be lots of noise and hopefully that pressure in some way will make the Iranian authorities think again. And as you mentioned, there's several, especially in the non-fiction, out of competition, but Ukrainian um, documentaries and, and, and they're certainly um, shining a spotlight there as well. One other one I'd like to mention, which I think is going to be a big deal in terms of star, <laughs> star voltage, uh, is Harry Styles coming in on that gondola. <laughs> you just see him and <laughs> Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry Darling starring Harry Styles and Florence Pugh, which is sort of a psychological 1950s housewife starts to crack movie, which looks really interesting. And the, the teaser trailer was at Comic-Con, I think already in April. Um, this is out of competition, but I think that's going to be a big talky <laughs> yeah oh absolutely i mean and you do when you look at the list you do sort of see okay they're going to have such and such on the red carpet and so and so is going to be there and adam driver is going to be there and you know there are definitely those movies where you know the, the red carpet sort of uh, you know, gives it its slot you know um, and julianne moore I, head of the jury i mean head of the jury absolutely i met julianne moore in Cannes this year um, uh, and she's as delightful as you would imagine she, she was. Imagine. I was with a, a journalist who was really geeking out over her, was a real big fan, and we were at a party, and uh, he said, oh, I really want to meet Julianne Moore, and I said, well, just go up and say hello. You're, you're I mean, you write for The Times, <laughs> um, and he was like, no, I can't, I'm too shy. So I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll help you. And I went up and, and I introduced him. I said, um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Miss Moore, but this is Ms. Moore, but this is uh, my friend Ed and he's a huge fan. Uh, he said, um, he, they had a little conversation. He was delighted, she was delightful. And then she turned around and said, and who are you? And I said, I'm also a big fan, uh, but I'm not as rude as he is. <laughs> <laughs> and she went, oh, you, and punched my arm. So I, I've got, I haven't washed it's still uh, the punch you'll, you'll have to do a retake counter and at the red carpet in venice oh I'm, already, I'm not Remember gonna push me? my luck <laughs> yeah exactly but you know she's great and she, what a pe what a great actress what great uh you know rep uh, career that she has and really i think uh, she's gonna really be fun. a great jury president i think yeah. she really knows movies and she knows what she's looking for in terms of the Absolutely. older directors we were talking about how this feels like they're established but fresh we do have in Oliver Stone with a documentary called Nuclear. Um, Lars von Trier is out of competition with his series. So there's a few of those names as well. Is there anything else you want to talk? I mean, there's so many things that we've just sort of scratched the surface here with the bigger ones. Paul Schrader, I forgot to mention in those. Yeah. Big. He's Master Gardener and he was there last year already. I'm so happy for his resurgence. <laughs> I think he's winning a prize yeah, at no. Venice as well. Yeah, I think he might be in Sarajevo as well just beforehand. I think mean, there might be a, a he's, he's doing maybe a bit of a circuit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, people, I'd, I'd, there's someone else I'd like to mention in the competition actually. He's Laura uh, Petraeus who is the, who made those wonderful documentaries about Snowden and 
Julian Assange, and she's her, she's got a new documentary which is out about uh, the big pharma, big pharma companies. So the, the Shacklers, I think. Shacklers, yeah. So that looks that's another, and I'm glad to see it in the in the main competition. And again, you know, there's another woman who's been doing solid work for years and years, and deserves to be, you know, to, to step up to the to the to the plate when it comes to a big festival competition. Uh, I also like uh, Rebecca Zlotowski. I really loved her Planetarium and her uh, Grand Central, which she did with Leah Sadu and Tahir Rahim Tahir, um, which were which. Uh, I think I've got that right, which was uh, which was really good. So, I, I just want to say I have some inside information that sure. that one Les Enfants de Autre Rebecca's movie is incredibly good. I've heard. All oh, right, those, right, yeah. and of course the Golden Lion was a f the Golden Lion was won by a French woman last exactly year with uh, the 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 oh so prescient happening. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, uh, absolutely amazing film, and and, and sadly. Sadly, you know, all too relevant today mm -hmm. with recent abortion rollbacks in the states. Lav Diaz is someone I'm really glad is out of competition because it means I don't have to actually go and watch it. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's a he's uh, he, I don't know, it's not that I dislike him, but they're so long, his films are so long, and I'm just like, I, I don't like him enough to commit that amount of time. To you know, there are some filmmakers I will sit and watch five or six or seven hour films, but uh, but you have to be really, it has to be showa, you know, it has mm -hmm. to be showa level of importance. Um, Walter Hill is is uh, you know we Paul Schrader. It's a bit of a resurgence of some of these old guys coming back and just having their the last yahoos, and and that's that's going to be really interesting to see. Um, Kinky Duck is his post uh mortem film because he he obviously died of covid uh a year ago yeah i looked at so, some familiar but i and, heard, and there's a wasn't there some a lot of controversy around him that he was oh yeah he was he was charged or... with rape oh, oh i think wow. it was great graver than sexual harassment even though sexual harassment obviously is bad mm -hmm. enough but i think it was out and out rape and and I'd heard a lot, I mean, um, I heard a lot of off-the-record stuff, which was uh, before any of the Me Too things happened, you know, years and years ago, I'd heard a lot of stuff that was very bad about that. Uh, How do they guy. motivate this so, entry? Yeah, well, it is that kind of, um, I'm, Venice has always taken a sort of like, what would you say pro Polanski sort of point of view of um you know uh we're, we're not we're not necessarily anti-me too I but mean... uh, yeah I mean Polanski obviously was charged found guilty yeah, no, I mean... so there was no real uh but but yeah I don't I I think it's the separating the art and the artist and I mean they had James Toback doing going around being interviewed by everyone like weeks before he was exposed by revelations so um one sort of real film i'm excited about uh, that is in the outer competition section is ty west's pearl which is mm. his prequel to x which was in in itself has just come out with uh, with this is with mia goff yeah i saw some um, fantastic you... pictures of her just last night mm, she's superb yeah she's a superb actress she's a really odd sort of look to her she has a really specific look which is great uh, and this is her, his prequel that he shot a bar, bar, kind of like in secret when he was shooting X, which it's the prequel of. Um, and it's X was very much a sort of horror movie 
which was more Texas Chainsaw Massacre than the recent sort of reboot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Certainly in terms of setting and feel, you know, uh, it's set in the 70s. It's, new, it's shot in New Zealand, but it's New Zealand for Texas. And just really, really uh, a very funny, very interesting piece of postmodern horror. And uh, Pearl is his, yeah, is and what they did in the, the uh, in X is they had Mia Goff played the young woman who um, is in jeopardy, let's say, mm -hmm. and she also played one of the older inhabitants of the house to which they go to make this porno, um, and uh, and at the beginning I was sort of thinking, why did they even do that? It seems like an odd choice. It's like the Tilda Swinton. Uh, two roles in Suspiria, and then in Pearl, she is playing now. that older character now. So it's like ah, it kind of makes sense now. It's like kind of all very very clever. Um, so I really yeah, that's that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, um, in a kind of midnight movies kind of way. I'm not bothered about Oliver Stone either because he's been he's he's been on the wrong side of quite a few arguments. Uh, very pro-Putin, very very weird sort of rabbit hole he's gone into. Some some of them tend to do that. <laughs> Those rabbit holes are a mystery. Yeah, yeah. and it, 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 he's a, he's very emblematic of that kind of left, you know, formerly left-wing mm -hmm. way of thinking and anti-establishment, which which seems to have sided with tyrants on yes, too many with... occasions. You know, how are we going to have time to because all the movies are, as you mentioned, five hours long nowadays, and we have to see them all <laughs> and then talk about them in that short amount of time and work somehow, and somehow. <laughs> Yeah, somehow we always manage. I'm not sure I know what you mean. That there are just so many I mean, I we haven't even mentioned Horiz Horizonte Horizons. Okay, right. Uh which is the uh which is the sort of uncertain regard of of Venice and often there are films that pop up there. Um it is it is a really packed I mean, I think you could just watch all the competition and some of the out of out of competition and that would make a, a brilliant festival, but the fact that there's other sidebars uh, going on off, which frequently turn bring out some really good stuff. Well, let's leave it there, John. And once we see these, um, you know, we start seeing the uh, out of competition ones in Horizonte, we'll definitely talk about them in the next episode when we have some meat on the bone for of those so to speak and i'm very much looking forward to seeing you there yeah it's gonna be great we could drink a spritz yes <laughs> or two <laughs> even, even a couple yeah yeah no i'm really looking forward to it and, I, and i'm looking forward to as i said eating my words i'm sure i'm gonna end up saying all of the italian films were the best films and uh, you know and there'll be some disappointments that weren't quite up to what we were hoping exactly. but you know that's, a, that's and some disagreements rock and roll of the festival Oh, hopefully, I... yeah. No, I love those. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Christina. Looking forward to seeing you at Venice. I'm Alison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.